Bibles to Psalms 56. Psalms 56. I'm going to take time to read the entire psalm since it's only 13 verses, but we're going to focus in mainly on two verses tonight. Psalms 56, verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words, and all of their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps whenever they wait for my soul. Shall they escape uh, by iniquity? Question mark. In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into a, thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God, if I put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee, for thou hast delivered thy, my soul from death, Thou uh, wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Let us pray, Father, as we open your word tonight. I'll pray you'll open up our hearts and maybe we be receptive to what you have for us. I pray tonight that we might be strengthened and encouraged as a result of these great truths. We just pray tonight for our church family and, and their needs that you'll give them the strength and the healing and supply every need in their life that they might soon be able to assemble with us again. We just pray tonight that you'll be glorified in all that's said and done, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalms 56. I want to speak to you tonight about triumph through trust triumph through trust and we could spend a lot of time talking about the time in which this was written and the theme of it and the troubles of it and the trust that is associated with this but uh, I, I want you to notice here how David triumphs over tear I mean here is a man that uh, uh, that that is in trouble by his own admission and he's telling us about a time, and if you look at the title of the psalm, you'll see it was written by David in regards to his experience in Gath. Remember, Gath is the hometown of Goliath. You might think that's the last place he would want to be. But when you look at the whole story, David's life seemed to be falling apart. Everything was going wrong. And no doubt he felt like Jacob when Jacob said, all these things are against me. 
David was running from Saul who was trying to kill him. And as he runs from Saul, he ran smack dab into another problem. And this, this time it says, as one preacher described this, the convergent of negatives. The convergent of negatives. It's a good way to look at it because on every hand... David was troubled. There was danger in every direction. So here he is in a fight with fear or tussle with terror. And I think we've all been there, haven't we? At some point in time in our life, the situation, of course, is entirely different. It might be a, a disease. It might be uh, the loss of a, of a job. It might be marital problems. It could be a number of different things. But we've all been in that place where we are about to be swallowed up with fear, as it were, and we feel that we are in jeopardy. Our welfare is in jeopardy. And so this is where David is, is, is at, and, and fear is about to consume him. Rather than, rather than trying to study the entire psalm, which would take a lot of time, I, I just want you to consider three things tonight that enable David to defeat and to dispel fear. In other words, he was able to be triumphant over his trouble. And what worked for David will work for us even today. And considering David's description of his difficulties, you might think that he had good reason to be afraid, that he's justified. I mean, just reading through this, he talks about his enemies. They are many, and they are powerful, and they are determined, and they're going to destroy him. So we look at that, and we think, well, you know, good night. He's got every reason to be afraid. I mean, who wouldn't be afraid? And yet... He is not justified in being fearful, and neither are we, because the Bible has commanded us over and over and over again, fear not. Most of the time when we're in a bad situation, we try to justify it in one way or the other because, you know, we just feel that, you know, life's given us a bad deal, that we've been treated unfairly, and consequently we've got a right to complain about it or a, a right to do something that we ordinarily wouldn't do. But yet God forbids us to live our lives in fear and he does so because God knows the terrible thing that fear can do. I should say the terrible things that fear can do. Fear can absolutely ruin our lives. And even when we think about the situation that we're in here in America, uh, you know, a lot of times the panic can be worse than the problem is. And that's true in all of our lives. And so many times we are so worried, so fretful about what difficulty that we're going through that we end up acting out of character and doing things that are unbecoming of God's children. And most of the time, you know, we don't like to admit that we're afraid. And that starts out way back when we're young, of course, yeah, you see some little kid and his lip is quivering and his hands are shaking and and you 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 know you ask him are you afraid? No, no, I'm not. I'm not afraid. He wants to be brave and and I think we're all that way. We don't want to just come right out and say, man, I am scared to death. 
We want others to think we've got our act together. We're stronger than that, that we don't, we don't you know, we're not worried about that. And so uh, we try to hide our fear, I think, sometimes, whether we're conscious of it or not. We try to hide it by using different names. We say, well, I'm really worried about this. Uh, you know, I, I'm really worried about that situation. Or, or maybe we'll, we'll say, well, I'm deeply concerned. Or maybe we'll take it a step further and say, I've really been anxious about this or nervous or fretful or whatever. Just anything to stay away from that word fear because we want to project the image to others that we're strong, that, you know, we can have that bulldog tenacity and we can scotch our feet, set our jaw, and, you know, that we're able to get through whatever tough thing that we have to face in life. And a lot of times, we're just a whole lot better off to admit I'm scared to death and I need to find out what I'm going to do about it. How do I overcome this fear in my life? And here we see, by his own testimony, David telling us how he conquered fear. And if we're wise, we'll face our fears. We'll admit to the fact that we've got a real problem. God said, fear not. And we're doing it anyway, and we need to do something to eliminate that from our life before it does untold damage. And I want you to see tonight how David overcame his fears. There are three things involved in this story. Number one, if you look at verse number three, and again in verse 11, we see that David overcame fear by the perpetual leaning upon the Lord. And I use that word perpetual for a reason because it's not something that David did occasionally. It's something that was a lifestyle for David. He was living in faith, trusting the Lord. Notice verse 3. He said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Now, notice verse 11. He said, in God, if I put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. The word trust speaks about reliance. In other words, in the New Testament, it uses the word faith. And so when we think of faith, that's what David's talking about. Trust, that is confidence. It implies leaning upon something with all of our weight, holding back nothing, but totally relying upon something. And in this case, our leaning upon the Lord. But there's a difference that I want you to notice between verse 3 and verse 11. In verse 3, David is speaking here of fear defeated. Read it carefully. He's talking about fear defeated. But notice in verse 11, he's speaking about fear dispelled. Notice he is not saying, although I'm afraid, I'm going to trust God. I'm in verse 11 now. He's not saying, although I'm afraid, I'm going to trust God. He's saying, I'm trusting God, and therefore I'm not afraid. In, in other words, when faith is present, fear is going to be absent. Fear dispel, or faith dispels fear. It gets rid of the fear. There's a, there's a, this is an important distinction, folks, because so many times, you know, we, uh, 
we wait until we're absolutely overwhelmed with difficulty, and then we try to exercise faith in God. The time to prepare for difficulty is before it comes. And that is that we walk by faith, that we live in faith each and every day. So rather than depending on what he could do, uh, David depended upon what God could do. Now, he knew God wouldn't let him down. He knew God's able to protect him. He's, God's able to provide. Now remember, this is David, the giant killer. I mean, you would think, well, man, he's not afraid of anything. I mean, somebody that's willing to go up against uh, the giant Goliath, what's he got to be afraid of? But uh, now we see this same man fighting against fear. So don't ever assume that yesterday's victories will get you through tomorrow's challenges. Because you might have got the victory yesterday, believe me, there's something tomorrow that might come your way that if you're not living in faith, like he says in verse 11, all of a sudden you're going to be overwhelmed by your fear until you defeat it through your faith. David had a great experience, did he not, whenever he, whenever he killed the giant? That, that's a, boy, he could spend the rest of his life talking about that. Uh, boy, I, I killed that giant. I don't have to worry about anything. But we need more than experience to live on. Somebody said experience is the best teacher. I'm not so sure of that. You know, but the fact of the matter is experience can teach us a lot of things, but we need more than experience. We need faith in the Lord. So David here, what time he says, I'm afraid, he says, I'll trust in the Lord. And then he tells us when I'm trusting in the Lord, I'm not afraid. And so he's telling us how we can defeat fear, how we can dispel it altogether, that we do not have to break God's commandment to fear not, that we can live a life of fearlessness regardless of the situation that we're in. And, and that's what we all have to do. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It, it, it's a horrible insult to God for us to say, you know, I understand that I'm supposed to trust you, but I, 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 you know, I just can't do that. I just don't have enough faith to do that. You know, that's a reflection on God and His veracity. That's like saying God won't keep His promise or that God's not able to do whatever needs to be done. So this is where, this is where it begins, by us exercising faith in the Lord. But there's a second factor here I want you to look at. This time, look at verse number 4. And the second thing that enabled David to overcome his fear was praising the Lord. Verse number four, he says, In God will I praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Now look at verse number 10. In God will I praise His word. In the Lord will I praise His word. That's, that's exactly what we all need to do. Over in the book of Hebrews, we find the Lord dealing with this issue of us living in contentment. And he says in chapter 13 and verse number 5, Let your conversation, that is your manner of life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. 
for he, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, look in verse number 15. By him therefore. And when you see the word therefore, you need to look back and see why it is there, what it is there for. He says, therefore, based on what he has been saying, by him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And when I read Psalms 56, when I read about David's experience here, I see exactly the same thing. I see fear and I see his faith in the Lord, trusting God, being content with the situation that he's in. Although he'd rather not be there, he is there. Life is what it is. And, and we have to accept it for what it is. And trust God to get us through whatever difficulty we encounter. And then it moves right into the subject of praise. Just two weeks ago, I believe it was, I preached about the danger of us losing the wonder. And I made this statement. I said, you know, the problem with many folks is, is that they don't really know how to worship. You know, with them, as I mentioned this morning, worship is just a matter of, uh, of a ritual they go through. But, you know, the Bible tells us we're to worship the Lord in spirit and, and in truth. But worship is... is is an, an audience of one, and God is the audience, and it's us giving Him our whole attention, us praising Him for what He is. You know, when we thank God, we, we're expressing our gratitude for what God has done. We ought to do that. But there's a difference between thanksgiving and praise. When I praise God, it means that I'm praising Him for who He is. Not just the stuff that he gives me, not the things that he does for me, but for who he is. And, and naturally, that has to do with me thinking about God's attributes, those characteristics, those things that, you know, that express who God really is. And so when I think about the attributes of God, his love, his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness, and on and on and on, the list goes all of a sudden, my focus is now on the, not on the problem, but it's on the one who has the ability to solve the problem. Fear can be fatal, and the reason it, it's fatal is because it puts the spotlight on self. In other words, we get consumed with self-interest. It's all, all about us. But when, when we praise the Lord, our focus shifts from self to God. So rather than thinking about what we can't do, we're thrilled by what God can do. The Bible tells us that praise brings God's presence into our problems. Think about that a little while. Now, certainly God is present. You know, He's God's everywhere. We don't we don't have to come to church, you know, to uh, to know whether God is here or not. God is everywhere. It doesn't mean we shouldn't come to church. It doesn't mean that this is not the appointed place to worship God. 
But God is everywhere. But praise brings God into our problems. We, when you praise God, you've got God's attention. And not only that, but God is well pleased with what you do. Because when we praise Him, it's not about what we've done for the Lord. It's about who God is. And, and, and looking at His attributes and being reminded that with Him all things are possible. So there's great profit in praise. And I think we all need to ask ourselves the question. You know, a lot of times we, we talk about, well, do you read your Bible every day? Do you study your Bible every day? But we need to ask ourselves, do we take time to praise God every day? There are a lot of folks, you know, they could say, well, you know, I pray every day. Every single day I say my prayers. By the way, there's a difference between saying a prayer and praying. You know, a lot of people say a prayer, but they're not really praying. But a lot of folks that pray do not take the time to really praise God and, and, and look, there's no substitute for that. We need to praise God because if, if, if we don't set aside time for praising the Lord, we can't really expect God to meet our needs. And it's not something we do just on Sunday, but as I read in Hebrews chapter 13, this is something that we are to do continually. You know, the Bible talks about that we're to be always in prayer, praying always. We're to live our life in a spirit of prayer. That doesn't mean you have to be on your knees, but it, it certainly means you need to have an attitude of prayer whether you're driving down the highway. In fact, that's a pretty good place to be praying nowadays. But you need to be in an attitude of prayer regardless of what you're doing in life. But also, we need to be continually praising the Lord because He never changes. And since He never changes, we always have reason to praise Him. And if we, if we will do that, if we'll learn to do that, it'll absolutely change our lives because it changes the way that we view everything else. When we bring God into the picture by praising Him, all of a sudden we look at all of the problems and the situation in a far different light. You know, in the model prayer, uh, sometimes we like to jump down to that part, you know, give us this day our daily bread. But the Lord, as He is teaching us how to pray, teaches us to begin by saying, you know, our Father, amen. We start out recognizing our relationship, hallowed be thy name. It begins with an attitude of praise to God, and that always needs, that always needs to be a part of our prayer time with the Lord. And so David makes it clear that he spent time praising God because he knew the effect that it would have, not only that it would please God, but he knew the impact that it would make upon his life. How could he murmur and complain? Now think about it. Here he is in Gath, and, uh, and, and he's thinking, I'll get away from Saul because he's never going to look for me there. This is the last place he would expect me to go is to Gath. But when he gets there, all of a sudden somebody recognizes him, and he's found out. 
And, and so all, all, all of a sudden, you know, uh, Saul's looking for him on the outside, and those people there are ready to, ready to kill him uh, from within. They resent his very presence. The only way David knows to get out of it is he pretends to be insane. So he feigns himself to be mad, pretends like he's gone crazy. And boy, they, you know, they got him out of there in a hurry. They didn't want anybody like that even in their midst. And so David didn't know what, know what to do. He's so frustrated. But in a time like that, what do you do? David said, I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. Now you would think, you would think the time to praise the Lord is after you get out of there. Whew, praise the Lord, I'm out of that place. I'm safe and sound now. Don't have anything to worry about. But David is trusting the Lord, and David is praising the Lord while that situation still exists. So if, if we're going to be triumphant over, over the trials of life and over the difficulties that we face, we have to do as he did, which is perpetually, continually, regularly, Lean upon the Lord with all of our faith in Him and praise Him. But there's another factor that actually is not stated here, but is certainly implied. And that is the fact that if we're going to triumph over our trials and, and difficulties, it's going to require perfect love. Turn over in the New Testament to 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18. And John says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, as I said, this isn't mentioned in our text at all. But it is clearly manifested. If you know anything about David, and I'm sure you folks do, you know he was a man that loved God. In fact, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. That, that was David's supreme desire. His, uh, that was his goal in life for him to, uh, to please God. A, a man after God's own heart. More than anything, David wanted to please the Lord. And you can tell by what David says in this psalm that he loved God. That, that is obvious. He's praising the Lord because he loves the Lord. And in 1 Kings chapter number 11, it tells us, that David was a man with a perfect heart toward God. And I want you to hang on to that word perfect there. It, it means complete or full, or if we use it in the sense of maturity, it's talking about someone that's reached a full age of maturity. It's complete. And, and so it says that David was a man with a perfect heart toward God. And now here in in John's letter, we find him telling us, 
that love gives us a fearless faith. In other words, it gives us a comforting confidence. That which is terrifying to other people holds no terror for those that are dwelling in God and are indwelt by the Lord. Look at verse number 18 again and the last part. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Knowing who we are and what we have in Christ, we see no reason to be afraid. Because if we're living in the light of His love, that gives us, it gives us confidence, it gives us courage, and it actually gives us compassion for others. But have you ever even thought about a failure in faith being due to a lack of love? Most people don't. We think about, you know, love's one thing, faith is another thing. I can have a lot of love and no faith. But here, John tells us that these two things are connected, and that is that if we, if we truly love God, then we're going to trust God as we should. And if, to do otherwise, as I said earlier, is an insult to God to say, I'm not going to trust you. And so there are a lot of folks that will admit to having a lack of faith, but not a lack of love. Over and over again, I've heard people say, well, you know, preacher, I, 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 just, I just need more faith. I don't have enough faith to, to believe that, or I don't have enough faith to try this. My faith is really lacking. But those same people will turn around and talk about how great their love for God is. And uh, the fact of the matter is, if you have a faith problem, you have a love problem. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the Bible is saying here. That if our love for God is such as it should be. Notice he said, perfect love, perfect love casteth out fear. So I'm not saying because that you are plagued by doubts and you're struggling with your faith. I'm not saying that you don't have any love for God. That's not what I'm saying. But perfect love casteth out fear. That is the love that we are to have in God. It's to be a complete, a full love. That's why the Bible tells us to be always abounding in love. Our love for the Lord ought to be growing every day. More and more we ought to love God. And, and as we love God to the fullness of our capacity, when that happens, we're not going to be lacking in our faith. Because love removes the fear and uh, it knows that God is... Notice what he said back in Psalms, in verse number 19, verse number 9. He said, God is for us. Isn't that a great thought? Amen. That God is for us. I mean, he's, we think of him being against us. You know, after all, he imposes these regulations and gives us these responsibilities. And we get frustrated a lot of times. And if we just understand that God is for us, and as it tells us in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And that's another way of saying we don't have anything to be fearful of because we love God and God loves us. And we're trusting in the God that can never fail. And so when our, whenever our faith is lacking, it is lacking because our love in some way is diminished. It, it is not the full, complete, perfect love that we need for the Lord. And so uh, 
that's kind of tough to do, isn't it? Am I the only one that finds it a lot easier to say, well, my faith is lacking? I can say that easier than I can say, well, my, I, I just need to love God more. But that's exactly what the issue is. Because when we're lacking in faith, when we are failing to trust God during the difficulties of life, it, it is a reflection upon our love for the Lord. And we need to consider that. And, and, and if we, look, if we're willing to admit that, and it's pretty tough sometimes to admit that I just don't love God like I, like I should. The church at Ephesus, for example, you'll remember when John is writing the, about that church, the letters from the Lord to the church at Ephesus, and he points out all of the good factors. They're working and they are laboring, but then he turns around and knocks the props out from under them by saying, but I've got, got somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. He didn't say you've lost it. He doesn't say you never loved me, but he says you've left it. And, and, and a lot of times that's true in our life to where we allow something else to come between us and the Lord and we cease being as expressive of our love for the Lord as we ought to and our love stagnates rather than growing. We just reach a certain plateau and we stay there and we're not progressing in our love for the Lord. And look, you, you can't do that without it affecting your faith in God. Your trust for the Lord is going to be affected by your love for the Lord. So the question is then, if we're honest enough to admit that I am failing in faith, that I'm refusing to trust God as I should, and that's why I'm living in fear. If we can get to that point, the next question is, what do I do about it? What do I do about it? Because it's one thing to admit we've got a problem. It's another thing to take the proper steps in correcting the problem. So I'm going to give you the answer. And it's really very simple. If you want to renew your love for Christ, you need to review His love for you. That's why I keep saying and repeating over and over again, looking unto Jesus. Consider Him. For the Christian, there's nothing in the world more important than us to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He, he is the one that initiated he is the one from beginning to the very end he is the one that we can rely upon we're to be looking unto him because that is the only way that we can grow in his likeness it's the only way that our our love can flourish the only way that our faith can increase is by us keeping our eyes on him and, and, and it's so easy for us, to, as I said this morning, to get sidetracked by the difficulties in life. And all of a sudden, our attention is diverted away from the Lord. And we are so focused on our problem that it overwhelms us. And we turn around and become fearful. And as I said, that can be fatal. It can, it can absolutely ruin what God wants to do in our life. 
That's the problem the Israelites had when the Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they do that? It was their lack of faith in God. Their refusing to trust God, to depend upon God in a time of need and to obey Him as He had commanded. He had given them exceeding great and precious promises and they, they kind of went so far and said, look, we don't want to go any further than this. And, uh, you know, the Christian life's kind of like riding a bicycle. You can't stand still. You're, you've got to keep going or you're going to fall over. And that's why that as Christians, unless we're growing, then we are regressing. We're going backwards, as it were. And uh, we are to, to abound in our love for the Lord. And as our love abounds, and the only way that that can happen is for us to stay focused on how much He loves us. Because how can we not love Him who loves us so dearly when we are so unworthy? So I hope tonight that, I know we haven't covered everything, but maybe it's been enough tonight to just whet your appetite and you'll get home and really dig into this psalm and, uh, and let God use that to help you to conquer the fear that is, has overwhelmed so many people that, that we can say as he did there in verse number 11, you know, that we're able to not be fearful because of our trust in the Lord because he didn't fail David and he won't fail you and he's never failed me. We can always count on him to do as he promised. I was talking this morning about, you know, the different situations that we face in life and our present circumstances. And, and we all know that there are things that could happen. We could catch the virus or we could get cancer or heart disease and we could die of any of those things. We could be struck by lightning. We, we just never know. But the one thing that we can know and be sure of, that if we put our trust in the Lord, nothing is going to happen that is not in some way for our good and God's glory. Oh, I know you can look back and say, well, they cut the head off of old John the Baptist. Boy, what a horrible thing that was. Well, it was horrible for them, but it was graduation day for him. And sometimes we act like, you know, that dying is going to be a great loss when the Bible tells us to die for the Christian is gain. We Look, we don't have anything to fear, as somebody said, but fear itself. Don't panic over the problems, but rather put your trust in the Lord, and He'll lift you up above those problems and enable you to live with whatever the situation might be. Because we can't change the, we can't change the circumstances. We can't control the circumstances. But we can sure have the courage to go right through whatever difficulties we face, knowing that God's going to give us the victory. So I, I just pray tonight that in some way God will use His Word to comfort and to strengthen your heart and to make you a blessing to someone. We think about what David went through, and here we are, all of these years later, looking back upon that event. When David left Gath, he left there as somebody that was depicted and considered to be insane. And boy, we look at him and we think, wow, what a, what a loser. And yet it was due to his faith sustaining him 
that David continued on with the life that God wanted him to live. And now here we are all these years later looking back on that story and finding inspiration from it. And so I pray God will help us to conduct ourselves in such a way that somebody might find inspiration from the manner in which we're living, that they'll see that our faith in God worked for us, and it'll work for them also. May God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Brother, brother uh, 